to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, happy Friday, everybody. A lot going on. More jab news, so to speak, in particular for 5 to 11-year-olds. Um, more threats from the fake, let's go, Brandon administration. Um, first of all, before I get into some audio here, this comes from Disclosed TV. And it says, Justin, Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate begins January 4th with hefty fines for noncompliance. Now, of course, this is hilarious because none of this is a law. It continues, and it says, large employers with 100-plus workers must mandate vaccinations and or weekly testing and masks for those who refuse the vaccine. It then says, OSHA plans to send out agents to check that workplaces are in compliance with the rule. For willful violations, a company can be fined up to $136,532. And then it says the standard policy is $13,653 for a single violation. There's also an OSHA 490-page ruling, which is in PDF form, and I'll link that in the description below if somebody's interested in reading 490 pages of lies. Uh, pretty sure you're not willing to do that, nor, nor am I. Um, it then later said again from Disclosed TV that just under or just in rather, um, OSHA will consider expanding the vaccine mandate to smaller businesses with fewer than 100 employees during the 30-day commitment period, according to the U.S. Labor Department. Okay, first of all, he, he, here's the approach I think. With mass noncompliance, what you would end up having is you would end up having individuals walking away. I've seen, we've seen the footage, again, at least I have, of countless GE workers just walking out of the factories, just walking out, that, that today is the day you all have to get your jab. And then they all just pack up their stuff and they all walk out at once. That has to start happening even more with all of these particular organizations and these companies. I mean, that's the next move because what you're really doing then is as an employee of an organization, it's not that you have to lawyer up or anything per se. It's that you're forcing the lawyers that represent the company to then go against the fake Biden administration and OSHA. That's where the battle really exists. But forcing that battlefield has to happen as a result of mass noncompliance by having the employees just stop showing up. Let, let the lawyers battle it out on their end, and it doesn't really have to involve the employee but the employers. So, yeah. Doesn't take a ton of brains, I don't think, to figure that out, but it's the mass noncompliance that has to exist here. And again, January 4th, go for it. If, if, these, if these alleged mandates, which again are not law, are imposed on January 4th for all companies with 100-plus workers, uh, then just leave. That, that's your leave date. And now, rather than later, would be a great time to start communicating that with your fellow employees. Again, they start coming after schools because you know that schools, in American schools, K-12 in particular, are going to start falsely interpreting that quote-unquote mandate. And they're going to use that as justification to continue to impose mask mandates, distancing mandates, and then, of course, jab mandates in the future. That's their plan, to actually impose jabs on, again, 5 through 18-year-olds in all of their public school buildings across America. Now, that can't happen. In particular, in Ohio, it clearly states you cannot legally impose any jabs that are emergency use authorization for anybody within, I mean, for anybody, you just can't, in particular, again, within school settings. But that's not going to stop local school boards from misinterpreting the law, which is also against the law, it's conspiracy, that it's just not going to stop them from, from doing whatever they think they, they want to do or think they can do. Um, Point being, this you know the communication has to start regarding this very issue now. Again, I've been talking about this since March of 2020, the moment that all this nonsense started. 
some of us saw this coming a long time, for a very long time. Not tooting my own horn, I'm just saying this has been written about for a very long time. You can't expect the enemy to just quit. They're not going to quit, they're just going to keep going. And part of that continuing to go forward involves purposefully misleading the public about what laws are and what they are not. And again, like I said, that's against the law. That's criminal conspiracy or conspiracy to commit fraud and, well, a thousand other things too. So there's that. Okay. Like I said, New York too um, is also mandating, in particular yesterday and today, is, is starting to jab 5 to 11-year-olds in school settings. That is now happening. And with that said, I'd like to play this audio very quickly. This comes again from San Francisco, and it's San Francisco city officials commenting on how we have to get 5 to 11-year-olds jabbed because then they will be able to quote-unquote participate in society or what, however it is they phrase it. So here's what some of these losers have to say. There is a related question which people have asked me, which is, what about the local San Francisco health orders that require vaccination to go into a restaurant or to go to a Warriors game? When is that going to apply to children 5 to 11? We definitely want to wait and make sure that children have an, uh, an opportunity to get vaccinated. So that will happen no sooner than um, about eight weeks after the vaccine is available to kids. So there will be a limited time in which there will not be those requirements is our plan. But then at some point, five to 11 year olds will also have to show proof of vaccination to access some of those same settings. These are some soulless people. I wish you could see the faces of these people. And again, if you're on Telegram and you're bouncing around Telegram, you, you can come across that audio clip. But they are just soulless people. They look soulless. They're just blank. Blank looks, blank stares. Absolute robots. Uh, it's, it's, it's beyond awful. Here's, um, again, speaking of soulless, here's another audio clip. And again... It was bouncing around Gab for a while, and then all the, you know, again, this is, this is a perfect example, ladies and gentlemen, as to why we are the media. I mean, we find the individual citizens and, and us citizens that are looking for particular stories, we find these things, we toss them up on social media platforms, and then major news organizations finally start to put it out. But we're the ones finding this information for them. So I always kind of laugh a little bit sometimes when someone says, uh, who works, say, for example, for the Gateway Pundit, and they say, well, so-and-so broke this story. They didn't break shit. They didn't find anything. The fact is, is that it's us that are the news. We are the news. We are the media. We, the people, are the ones doing the investigations and finding this kind of information and throwing it out there. Again, I take stuff from them too, clearly, on this podcast and read it on this podcast. It's that open sharing stuff. But I've never said once on this podcast, breaking, breaking, Sean Brooks just created this and just found this out. No, I've never said that. I'm taking information and I'm not claiming that it's mine. But this came again from Telegram, so I'm going to play this audio. And this was some commercial that, again, more soulless monsters created. And it has to do with, again, just pure propaganda and doing whatever they have to do to convince children that getting the jabs is 100% great and 100% fine, and quote-unquote, you'll be like a superhero if you get the COVID jabs. These, these people need to be hung by the neck until dead. So here's the audio of that. Getting ready to fight COVID. <laughs> All of us want to be superheroes. The most important heroes are those that help others. This year, thousands of kids like us around the world joined the COVID-19 vaccine trial. Kid power. And when they did, they became all superheroes. Ah! To all the kids who volunteer, we'd like to say... Thank you! Thank you! Thank you for sharing your superpowers of courage, trying new things, the ability to save people, the power to help people, helping not just um, yourself but many other kids. To not be scared. Be strong. Super brave. Bravery and courage. A superhero shot. 
helping everybody fight coronavirus and help others. You're helping the whole entire world. Thank you. You are all superheroes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, superheroes. Thank you. You're awesome. That was produced by Pfizer. That video, which is an abomination, was produced by Pfizer. Those children, if they take the jabs, will die. They will be sterilized. No kids for them. Heart trouble, hearts exploding from here to there. It's, it's over. It's over. I could go through that entire video line by line. It would take the rest of the day. Again, brainwashing children is, it's so, uh, it's such an abuse that I, I just don't have the words. And parents themselves are guilty of doing the exact same thing. Now, I've brought this up again in the past when it comes to what YouTube does with their entire COVID strip of, of videos. Now, as you might expect, given the 5 to 11 rollout, Many of those videos, again, have to do with children now. They've, they've just switched them. So it's no longer about boosters. It's all about getting the 5- and 11-year-olds to sterilize themselves and kill themselves with these jabs. This video is, is be, I, uh, it's awful. It's beyond awful. Teaching Again, teaching children that putting drugs in their body is helping other people is insane. That that pumping their body full of drugs is courageous. How far we've fallen from the 1980s of the D.A.R.E. program, which was an abysmal failure because of, again, poor instruction, money mismanagement. I'm sure there was a lot of money laundering going on in the D.A.R.E. program, but say nope to dope and all of that other garbage. That was an abysmal failure, but at least, at least, it was a little less, um, oh, I don't know. It was a little less blatantly ridiculous and murderous, if I could just put it that way, as opposed to this, which clearly has a completely different motive for those of us that are awake. But the sad part, again, is that parents are lining their children up to get jabbed because they actually believe that it's going to save their child. And, you know, and again, I've read some of those posts in the past of the parents who have said, wait a minute, this was a huge mistake. What have I done? This was awful. You know, my, my TV lied to me and I can't believe it. Well, they should be hit in the head with a tack hammer because they're a moron. If, you're, if, if again, people are watching their televisions and just blindly believing Every single word. And again, we know that doctors are doing that, certainly. And so are business owners and countless other people. And then th that just becomes the way that they do business. That's a level of brainwashing that they'll never be able to come back from. They just won't. And, and again, as, as was brought up by Yuri Bezmanov in that little clip I played in the last episode, the demoralized will never figure it out until the government crushes their balls with the weight of what is actually going on. And then only then might the demoralized actually learn something. But unfortunately, it's going to take mass death of children in order to figure this out. And as I said on Gab, I think this is the precipice. I think that's the precipice. Watching children fall over dead on school buses. I know this is morbid. I mean, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but this is where we are with all of this. So this is just, this is what's happening. And again, sporting events too, I might add. The number of quote unquote athletes, young athletes in their in their teens and twenties that are falling over, not just on soccer fields, but a, a, a well known successful hockey goalie in the NHL just fell over dead not that long ago, a couple of weeks I think, or or a week ago. Again, swept under the rug. Even though some of those stories are making their way out into the mainstream media, it's it's almost immediately swept under the rug. And then of course the word manipulation that they're using where they're saying, well, it was an unforeseen health issue or uh, a, secret, a secret health issue or a underlying health issue. 
just the word manipulation as to why a 24-year-old who's perfectly healthy would fall over dead after taking both jabs. Um, they're, they're not going to be able to cover that up. And like I said in the last episode, if people are actually taking footage of children in school having adverse reactions, sorry, the internet's going to grab a hold of that. Individual students are going to get a hold of that, toss it all over the internet, and there's not going to be any hiding that. Again, the television will hide it, and the the mainstream media will do their best to hide it. But even they, in the past, again, I've I've mentioned some of those stories in particular over the summer of teenagers, uh, you know, middle school or in particular high school, high school teenagers taking the jabs and falling falling over. Even the local media does cover that, but they just you know they they gloss over it as quickly as they can because again, I mean, <laughs> they can't. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know what else to say. They, they just can't they can't keep hiding it without incriminating themselves in the entire process. So there you go. Okay, here's a here here's another uh, a message from Dr. Mike Eden, and I want to read this too because again it it speaks directly to youth and uh, and and them getting the jabs as well. And this is this is recent. It says quote again from Mike Eden. It says, folks, you'll probably recall how very rare it is that top sports people collapse and die, especially right in front of you in the pitch. Again, referring to soccer fields. I remember an unfortunate football player in England whom this happened years ago. I don't remember any others. Well, now, in the space of a few weeks, almost two dozen such incidents. You'll immediately apprehend how unusual this is, and it's not bad luck. It's because only they received, only recently has the COVID-19 vaccination reached these age groups, late teens to late 20s. Now, of course, side note, of course, we're talking about 11 to 5 year, uh, ele- I'm sorry, 5 to 11 year olds as well. It's going to be horrific, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm sorry, just, this is, this is not going to be good. Um, Let's see. Okay. Shortly after statistically huge increases in collapsing, dying fit sports people, these vaccines introduce the body to manuf- induce the body to manufacture unregulated amounts of virus spike protein. Not only are the amounts uncontrolled in any way, we also have no idea in any individual where in the body this dangerous protein is being made. And the second portion says this, coronavirus spike protein is a potent biological toxin able to initiate changes in the blood that lead to blood clots and bleeding. This has horrible impacts on circulation and also, of course, the heart. You'll have, you'll have heard of a heart inflammation condition called myocarditis, according to much more, I'm sorry, occurring much more often in young men after vaccination. I surmise that all of these sports people are being injured and killed by the COVID-19 vaccines. Young people are not at risk from receiving this virus and also are poor in passing it on. There is therefore no reason why these people have been vaccinated and it's pressure from their clubs and leagues that's made them comply. Some have lost their lives as a result. What tragedies, what lethal fraud from our governments and their lying advisors. Best wishes, Mike, Dr. Mike Eden. Basic social observation is going to be abundantly clear here when it comes to this. People are going to be watching sporting events as is already happening. And you're, you know, for those that watch, I do not, but people are going to be watching these events and people are just going to be falling over. And then they're going to say, well, they're down on the field or they've been injured, you know, whatever. Again, instead of watching someone with a knee injury, attend to a knee injury, you're going to watch individuals receiving chest compressions because they can't breathe or because they're unconscious and they have no pulse. I mean, this is next level. And again, <laughs> I just don't, I don't know how that gets covered up. I don't know how that possibly gets covered up. Even the even the, even the sheep in the audience have to be able to, 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 Put two and two together and recognize that. They have to. 
But I don't know, maybe not. Maybe they're just that blind and they're like, well, you know, it happens. They just fall over sometimes. You know, all those times that we've seen that while watching live sports, just people falling over dead. I, you know, it doesn't happen. Like Mike Eden said, not an accident. These are not accidents. Now, with that said, you may recall in the last episode, and I didn't end up playing it, um, I kind of ran out of a little bit of time. But anyway, this is this is seven minutes long, and it comes from a YouTube channel titled Youth's, uh, Truth Stream Media. It's really a fantastic um, YouTube channel. And this video, while it's a few years old, is still relevant in particular today. And again, it covers sort of a, a very brief historic aspect to how even our own government openly admitted that vaccines kill people so and cause cancer in particular. So I'm going to play that right now. Again, it's about seven minutes long, but bear with it because it really is informative and quite the history lesson. We dug up this clip. Melissa found this clip online somewhere. I could not believe it. This is a sensational, ridiculous, repugnant clip because they just say these things with a straight face, with no reaction, and then they balance them out with just equal time of regurgitated propaganda about how great vaccines are, how good the government is, and how much they're trying to protect you, and especially children. Today, doctors at the Federal Communicable Disease Center acknowledge the flu vaccine and the recommended dosage is ineffective, while in a larger dose, it can be harmful. However, the flu vaccine is still recommended for old people and the chronically ill. Right here, they just admit that the government continues to push and propagate vaccines, tell you you have to take them, you should take them, you're a bad person if you don't. Even though they admit that these vaccines are ineffective, they admit that they suppressed reports from scientists who found that they were ineffective. They wouldn't publish these studies for over a decade. Last month, a Senate subcommittee headed by Abraham Ribicoff charged that the federal government wasn't doing a good enough job of informing the public about ineffective vaccines. Scientists at the Division of Biologic Standards test vaccines for their potency and safety before licensing them for public use. However, the division does not determine the effectiveness of the vaccine. That is left to the manufacturers. A case in point is the influenza vaccine. Four scientists in charge of work on the flu vaccine during the 1960s found it to be ineffective, said they refused to give it to their own families. Two were transferred to other work, a third left the division. And over the entire 10-year period, not one word of their unfavorable findings was allowed to be published. And worse, they admit that they continued to administer the vaccines even when they knew they had a cancer agent contaminant in them. But a more serious case involving the relationship between the leaders of the division and their scientists involves the adenovirus vaccine, a vaccine given to thousands of American soldiers to prevent certain cold-like symptoms. When it was shown that the vaccine contained a contaminant which caused cancer in laboratory animals, it was taken off the market. Did you hear that? Let's play it again. That the vaccine contained a contaminant which caused cancer. Did you hear that? They admitted that these vaccines have a cancer-causing agent. They knew about it, and the government sat on this information. But that was three years after the division's own scientists had pointed out the danger. Dr. Murray justifies the use of the vaccine by saying it took three years to examine the evidence against it. It was more important to use the vaccines than to take them off the market and remove the agent. And they were still administering it to the soldiers and saying it was just more important to give out the vaccines than to not vaccinate. It was more important to use the vaccines than to take them off the market and remove the agent. Um... But since the agent couldn't be removed, there was no other course. Still administering it to the soldiers. Thus, for three years, American troops were injected with a cold-preventing vaccine, which was causing cancer in laboratory animals. And the most incredible part, did they find about it just now in this 1971 TV clip? No. These newspaper articles show that they knew about this at least in 1965. That's how long it took them to tell the public and how long it took them to get it out of the vaccines. And that's that's how long it went on for. And right here, the microbiologist, who's actually a nun, uh, in an article that says nothing to worry about, there's no connection here, admits that the agent inside of the adenovirus has been found to be cancer-causing in animals, and more so that it's worse and creates kind of a more deadly combination when it's combined with a certain other agent, which just so happens to be SV40, the exact cancer-causing agent that was accidentally found in previous vaccines 
doses that were administered to millions and millions of people in the polio vaccine and the largest ever government push to have a population vaccinated. And they found this stuff. They knew this stuff was in there. Just imagine what happens for anyone who got a tainted batch of this Adeno vaccine as well as a tainted batch of the polio vaccine containing SV40. If this article is correct, anyone who got both vaccines would theoretically be at a much higher risk for getting cancer because in the animal studies, it was found that it was definitely worse when both of these were present. And the media just casually reports this. It's clear what the government's opinion is. And they just round out the piece with a brief pause, a note that, well, things could be done better. There's lessons to be learned. Raise serious questions about the public health policies of the United States. But keep vaccinating. This is the most important thing. Vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. the authors of the memo say that vaccination, such as at this Maryland elementary school, is one of the public health services' most effective checks against communicable disease. Well, it's cause for concern, but now we have have to give equal time of propaganda to a regurgitation of the fact that vaccination is great. It's wiping out disease, and these kids should line up and take their vaccine. And they just say this with a calm face. They admit that they ignored evidence that could be linked to people getting cancer. They know that there must be a risk. Instead of pulling the vaccine and studying to eliminate the possibility of risk, they just kept giving it to people. Well, the risk hasn't been shown yet. Are you kidding me? I can't even believe that they just said these two things together in one clip, barely taking a breath. Even though there's risks, just keep vaccinating. It's worth it because maybe. Because vaccines. It's a total logical fallacy. The answer to everything is because vaccines. Despite the risk, because vaccines. It makes no sense, but they're shoving it down everyone's throat. They knew but continued to administer the vaccines. But we know that all the vaccine scientists who found problems, who were anywhere from mildly concerned to so concerned they refused to give it to their own children and family, anyone who found problems were suppressed, were run out of their departments. Some of the division scientists who charged they were prevented from publishing results of experiments which show some of the vaccines to be ineffective. The control officer in, uh, in 1960 who has grave doubts about the potency of influenza vaccine. These doubts were made known to the director of the division and through the proper channels. And somewhat subsequent to that time, within a year or so, uh, that person was transferred to other duties in the DBS. That is what happened. They stopped scientists from reporting the unfavorable findings, covered it up, continued to administer the vaccines, and then only way later warned the public just to tell them, no big deal, it's all right. In the testing of influenza vaccine, uh, the people are working under a tremendous amount of pressure, and this does cause internal stress. It's more important to use the vaccines than to take them off the market and remove the agent. It can't get much clearer than that. Um, again, excellent. I, I just think it's excellent. It's funny how the truth lies in history if people are just willing to look at it and actually shut their mouths and listen for a minute as to uh, the amount of truth that's actually out there. Interesting little nuance. I recently uh, discovered not that long ago. I was reviewing, and it's related, I, I assure you, the forms that individuals fill out when it comes to firearms. There's a question on there that's a yes or no answer type question, but it asks the individual purchasing the firearm or registering the firearm as to whether or not they have been court-martialed or dishonorably discharged from the military. And of course, if you answer yes to that question, because you have been court-martialed or dishonorably discharged, you can probably not expect the, whatever it is, registration, background check, what have you, to go through so that you can purchase a firearm. So given the current times that we're living in, who would that impact the most, of course? Military. It sounds like what's going on right now with the military who are refusing the jabs is that many of them are up for court-martial and being told that they will be court-martialed. If that's the case because they aren't quote-unquote following a direct order, they will be dishonorably discharged, which means how on earth are they going to be able to purchase a firearm legally in the United States once they're out of the military if they've been court-martialed and dishonorably discharged. It seems to me like it is a backdoor way of keeping guns 
out of the hands of patriots who have defended our country and served in the armed forces. I put this comment out on Gab. It got a lot of play. It got a lot of comments, a lot of reposts, a lot of likes. I think it's a legit angle. And again, having looked at the form, that particular question just jumped out at me, and I thought to myself, wow, that's that's an interesting question, and in particular today. So uh, I, I I don't know. I would simply say, hey, if you're if you're in the military now, you'd better start buying guns now, and uh, yeah, or at least have your family members buy guns and then gift them to you, so that you can at the very least possess them instead of having to buy them. Just a hunch, but it sounds like a, a very nefarious way of our government again trying to disarm or keep patriots from being armed within our own government. So, shifting gears slightly and heading more into um, sort of the hospital realm, there's a particular story here from Zero Hedge that I wanted to briefly summarize and kind of cut through here. And it's titled, Something Really Strange is Happening at Hospitals All Over America. It says the following, quote, In a year that's been filled with so many mysterious, I'm sorry, so many mysteries already, I have another very odd one to share with you. Emergency rooms are filled to overflowing all over America, and nobody seems to explain why this is happening. Right now, the number of new COVID cases in the United States each day is less than half of what it was just a couple of months ago. That is really good news, and many believe that it is a sign that the pandemic is fading. There was never a pandemic. Anyway, it continues. It says, let us hope that is true. With less people catching the virus, you would think that that would mean that our emergency rooms should be emptying out, but the opposite is actually happening. All across the country, emergency rooms are absolutely packed, and in many cases, we are seeing seriously ill patients being cared for in the hallways because of the ER rooms are already full. It says, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. The following comes from an article entitled, ERs are swamped with seriously ill patients, although many don't have COVID. It says, quote, inside the emergency department at Sparrow Hospital in Lansing, Michigan, staff members are struggling to care for patients showing up much sicker than they've ever seen. It continues a little further down and it says, quote, The mention of heart conditions immediately got my attention because I have been seeing this so much in the news recently. For instance, a high school senior in Pennsylvania just dropped dead from a sudden cardiac incident. The high school soccer manager greatly enjoyed his team's championship victory Saturday. Later that evening, he was dead. Now, late student Blake Barklage's high school is mourning his untimely death. As six ABC in Philly reports, the tragedy occurred at LaSalle College High School in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. In a letter to parents, the school announced that the senior died after a quote-unquote sudden cardiac incident Saturday night. Elsewhere in the same state, an otherwise healthy 12-year-old boy just suddenly died because of an issue with his coronary artery. You know, because that happens all the time. It says, quote, as, fa- as family and friends grieve, the cause of death is in for a 12-year-old taken, taken way too soon while warming up for school basketball practice. As Tribe Live in Pittsburgh reports, Jason Kidd, 12 years old, of Bridgeville, Pennsylvania, died of natural causes involving his coronary artery, according to the Allegheny County Medical Examiner's Office. You, re- you heard that correctly, ladies and gentlemen. 12 years old, dead of natural causes involving his coronary artery. You know, natural causes. That's just part of the word manipulation. It's just going to continue to be part of the word manipulation. They're going to continue to say that. And again, I do believe that the precipice of all of this is going to be this hitting every single school district in America in some way. They're not going to be able to hide it because in past years, such things on a wide scale have never occurred before, and it's occurring now. The question again is, who's catching it? Who's reporting on it accurately? Who's covering it up? Is this information getting out there to the public in XYZ? That, that you know... 
that's uh, that's a matter of time. That's only a matter of time. They can't sit on that powder keg forever. Eventually, it's going to explode, and uh, people are going to start. I mean, they're just going to have to connect the dots. They're just going to have to do that. Um, here, here's another story unrelated to jab. But what this does is, is this particular story should show. And, and perfectly explain the lengths to which a school district will go to to cover up their own illegality and their own brainwashing, we'll call it, in the interest of protecting their own image at the expense of minors. And this particular story comes from The Blaze, and it's titled, Report High School Students Suspended after she reported sexual assault. And the school is now making her take a sexual harassment prevention course. You heard that right. So, this comes from North Carolina. I'm just going to play the audio of this instead of read through the article because they pretty much cover the exact same thing. And it is as ridiculous as you might expect. So, And you'll hear again directly from the victim herself. So give this a listen. Thank you for trusting WBTV News at 6 o'clock. I'm Jamie Bowl. And I'm Molly Grantham. We're glad you're here. Police investigated the report and filed charges against a male student. But school administrators at Hawthorne Academy High School in Charlotte have accused the female student of filing a false report, and they suspended her. Well, the girl's outraged mother called WBTV's chief investigative reporter, Nick Oxner. Nick has been working for months to shine a light on Charlotte Mecklenburg School's handling of reported rapes and sexual assaults. Nick, the question lots of folks asking right now, how could this happen? Well, Jamie, that's the same question the mother of the 15-year-old sophomore at Hawthorne Academy High School is asking. But Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools refuses to offer any explanation as to how this could happen. He would, like, come into the bathroom, and he would push me into the stall. You're listening to a 15-year-old sophomore student at Hawthorne Academy High School recount the near-daily harassment she says she experienced from a male student. Until one day, she says, it turned into more. He caught me, like, off guard. I wasn't, like, paying attention. And he put his hands in my pants, and then he was, like, touching my breast. The girl says she decided to report what happened after sitting through a Title IX presentation at the beginning of the school year. She reported to school administrators who called police. CMPD confirms they charged a juvenile with sexual battery in response to her report. But... That didn't stop school administrators from issuing this letter, saying they found no credible evidence that the girl was assaulted, but found she had filed a false report. They suspended her and removed her from some school activities. The school did their investigation, gave me a phone call and said, hey, look, um, unfortunately, it looks like there's no evidence that shows that what your daughter is saying took place did we're going to have to give her a day of suspension and um you know so then that i asked the the principal i said well if the police are telling me that he did do these things he admitted to them and that i have the right to press charges you're telling me this didn't happen and she said well unfortunately what the law does has nothing to do to do with cms so unfortunately we have nothing else that we can do about this. What was going through your mind when you were having that conversation? I really just thought I, I had faith in CMS that they were going to do right by my by my daughter. Um, so when I got that phone call, I was I was hurt. CMS says we take sexual assaults seriously. We take Title IX seriously. We want students to report these instances. What would you say to that? I would say that. It's, it's a lie. They don't, they don't have your children's back. In addition to suspending the female student, CMS is also making her attend a class called Sexual Harassment is Preventable. They are making her feel like she is being punished for coming forward. Do you think she would think twice before coming forward if a similar thing happened again? I do. I do, and, and that scares me because she told me how hard it was for her to come out and tell the story to me, to the school, um, to the police. What would you tell school leaders about how this has made, made you feel? That they should have done something about it instead of punishing me. They should have punished him. Now, I first contacted the Hawthorne Academy High School principal, a spokeswoman for the superintendent, Ernest Winston, and a spokesman for the school board last Tuesday. 
The principal and board spokesman didn't respond at all. A spokesman for Winston issued a statement saying in part, quote, district leaders review assertions of Title IX reporting problems and take appropriate action in the event any review reveals action is necessary. But the girl's mother tells me they haven't heard anything from CMS or the school since we first started asking about this story last Tuesday. And Jamie, I'll join you on On Your Side tonight coming up at 7.30 as we talk about how this story that you just heard contrasts with what we've heard from district leaders and the school board in recent months about how they want to handle Title IX. Okay, first of all, the overarching point is this. That happens, all of what you just heard, happens in American schools all across the nation, in every state, in every county, constantly. Constantly. What the parents don't hear is what should alarm them the most. Because endless parents will never hear of such cases like this if they don't make their way to the national news, or rather the local news. They just will never hear about it. Sweeping such crimes under the rug is a school district's number one priority. Again, image protection. That's it. That's exactly what they do. What's interesting in this particular case is that administrators and school board members, in particular the administrators of the, of the school building themselves, they can be legally held accountable for failing to report such crimes, and they should, 100%. Now again, whether the way that the student was treated after the fact was retaliation for the public finding out about what happened or what have you, again, depending on the state, the school district cannot retaliate against the student by, again, throwing them an in-school suspension or making them take any training or whatever. The other angle, of course, which is one that's remarkably repetitive that I've brought up, is that student is old enough to read, and they sound like a responsible human being. They weren't in a bathroom having sex with someone. They were going to the bathroom, and a male entered a female bathroom and then did what they did and assaulted the individual. If this individual is old enough to read, they're old enough to educate themselves. They should be staying home because clearly that is an unsafe environment. That's not a learning environment. It's something else. It's a criminal organization. And such, again, organizations should be treated as such, and the civil individuals who are still attending those institutions should leave, in particular if they're literate. So with that aside, the funny part, if there is a funny part, is that, of course, the police department openly said, hey, look, we're charging this person with a sexual crime because this guy's guilty. He openly admitted it. And then, of course, the school district, uh, in, in some just complete absence of a brain, came back with their response that she was making it up. These are not thinking people. They just, they are not thinking people. There should be lawsuits from here to Timbuktu regarding what just took place with that particular student. End of story, no doubt about it. And again, as I've said in the past too, there should be countless individuals who attend those schools whose parents are lawyers. Those lawyers should get in contact with that parent immediately and say, here, I'll help you, fi- I'll help you file the actual paper- paperwork to hold these individuals liable for what they've done to your daughter. Um, it, yeah, it's the more and more you peel back the onion, the more and more disgusting the environment becomes and the more wormholes you find and the more worms and bug bites and bugs you find within this thing that they call American K-12 education. And it's going to get worse here with time. It's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Um, That's not even a pessimistic approach on things. That's a realistic approach on things. This can't be fixed by just replacing certain people in certain positions. Take, for example, the curriculum rollouts that everybody has seen over the course of, whatever, the last 10 plus years, and how awful these curriculum rollouts are. It's been going on longer than 10 years, um, at least 30 plus years. But the only way that you eliminate such curriculum is by winning every single seat on a school board. You have to win every single seat. 
or at the very least, the majority. And then, as I've said in the past, you have to fire the superintendent and you have to run a bulldozer straight through the entire district office. But then you've got to start going after administrators at the school level and you have to start firing them. And then you have to find these individual teachers that have been doing what they've been doing with implementing their their own ideologies and XYZ. And then you have to get rid of them. It takes an awful lot of work to completely disinfect an entire K-12 school district. It's so much easier to just leave it and let it crumble because they won't be able to afford the bills to maintain the school with no students there. That would almost force state legislators to rewrite law that would say we're not we're no longer requiring the funds that get paid to a school district be based on student enrollment. It would have to be based on something else. But that would force the hand of the state, and that's something the state doesn't want to do. They just don't. It'd be, it's, it's so easy for the state to look at a local school district and say, well, you don't have the students, so we have to close your building and you're not going to receive our funds anymore. That's it. It's so much easier for the state to write that paper. And I have a smile on my face when I'm saying that because that's what they would do because they already do it. They would simply write the, write the memo that gets sent to the district. Okay, you got to close your building because there's not enough people. If every building did that, just left, um, you would have ghost towns. You would have absolute ghost towns regarding school campuses. That wouldn't be a bad thing. It just wouldn't. And again, I fully understand it's uncomfortable for a great deal of people because there are a great deal of excellent people that work in these in these buildings and, and work in these districts. I know that for a fact. But it's a bit like delaying the inevitable. Because again, we have a lot of we have a lot of individuals going after mask mandates, and there's a lot of individuals going after the social distancing and the abuses that have been taking place. The next thing down the line as I said at the beginning of this episode, is the, the, the jab mandates are going to be the next thing that's misinterpreted. I mean, how, many, how, how more degenerate does the environment have to become before an individual, an individual just says, we're done, we're leaving now, and we're never coming back? You've proven your degeneracy time and time again, a thousand different ways, and we're leaving now because you've shown no signs of caring about the individuals who actually vote you in or don't vote you in and don't vote for you. That should prove to people that that school board members are politicians and they do not care. Now, again, speaking of board meetings, and this is kind of interesting because this happened with our local school board where I live. Um, the two women who are running against these two guys uh, for our local school board, they ended up losing. And both of them were conservatives, and the two guys who ended up winning are both about as hard left as you could possibly imagine. Lots of anomalies took place during voting day. Not even anomalies, just illegality. And then some rather suspicious occurrences. First of all, at least both of the male individuals who ended up winning were actually located at at least one school, shaking hands with people as they were walking into the building to go vote. That's against the law. That's number one. Number two, the individual who received the most votes was a male incumbent who has been in the town where I live since the crust of the earth cooled. He's a worthless human being. And he ended up winning with more votes, from what I could tell, than any other school member, school board member has ever received in the history of school board members in this town. Rather suspicious, I think. Not to mention, we ended up doing the, um, the Bluetooth app to see what other Bluetooth signals were, were open and receiving a signal. And there were a lot of them around the voting machines. And there were, again, they could have been the, the people's very computers. They could have been self people's cell phones. That's, that's viable. That's a viable explanation. But we also vote on Dominion voting machines here in Ohio. And um, yeah, point is, it's going to be very, very difficult 
although with all the laws that are being broken, not impossible to remove school board members, but very, very difficult to implement conservative school board members on a board in a university town. That's, that's, a, that's a tough hill to climb there, and it's always going to be a tough hill to climb. But fortunately, the people who are on the school board where I live are incompetent. And they have no idea that when an elected official takes an oath, that they themselves have way more laws that they have to follow. You see, that's the cool part about being unelected officials and citizens, is that we don't have to follow those rules, regulations, and laws. But the moment you take an oath, you have to follow a ton. And if you don't, it's us, we the people, that get to hold you accountable. So the coming days are going to be real, real fun for school districts all across America, I'm certain of it. In particular, again, when they start to implement these illegal jabs just because President Poopy Pants said that everybody needs to be jabbed or else you're going to be fined. Sorry. Then you're going to have full-blown war and a mass exodus from American schools. And that's, that's a get-your-popcorn moment right there, ladies and gentlemen. So with that said... Hope everybody has a great weekend. The war continues, and I'll catch you on Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.